December 12, 2017, and this is Insight Out, The Naked Truth. We're coming to you live from the Santa Cruz Mountains, from Lupin Lodge, where clothing is optional. But the truth is always naked. Mm. I am Errol Strider. And I am Rochelle Alicia Strider. (laughs) And we welcome you once again to our home at Lupin Lodge. We invited you over tonight for some conversation about the human condition and what to make of it with all its eccentricities, sprinkled with laughter, good music, and the many voices of Errol Strider. Good evening, y'all. This is a Professor Schnitzel. I'm especially looking forward to this conversation tonight because I think it will be very enlightening. Yeah, you think so, huh? Professor, good to see you here tonight. It could be enlightening, but you never know. Sometimes uh, when you're not looking, it's a darkening. Oh, I don't know about that there, the darkening, the enlightening. Oh, now you're getting me too confused because too much full of duality. This is Father O'Malley. Well, thank you, fellas. It's just so good to have you here with us tonight and can hardly wait to hear what you have to say. Our show, by the way, is sponsored by Go Raw, natural, raw, nutritious, and delicious food. We're so grateful and Go Raw can be purchased at Oh, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, and the organic section of Costco, just to name a few. But if you go to GoRaw.com, you will find out where Go Raw can be found in your neighborhood. Your neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to you from our neighborhood. Since tonight is the first night of Hanukkah, which in Jewish tradition is a celebration of the miracle of lights. We pick that's enlightening as our featured phrase of the week. Oh, by the way, you know, the legal name of our nonprofit company is Enlighten, Inc. And we DBA as The Laughing Heart, which you can check out by going to our website, thelaughingheart.org. Back to Hanukkah. While the Hanukkah story may be a legend, open to different interpretations, its symbolic value for now is very pertinent. Perky pertinence, if you ask me. (laughs) And this is blatantly obvious to anyone who's trying to find the light in these troubled times. It's not always easy. Unless you can find a way to cast the light on ourselves. But the good news is that the light can come from us. Wow. And as many might agree, in order to preserve our freedom, like the Maccabees of the Hanukkah story, we need to become more enlightened. That's enlightening, huh? Oh, it is enlightening. I'd like to think that the historical period of the Enlightenment and it's kind of loosely described as European politics, philosophy, science, and communications were radically reoriented during the course of the, quote, long 18th century, 1685 to 1815. That is a long 18th century. 30 extra years. I don't know where they got them, but they got them and they used them. This was part of the movement that is referred to as either the age of reason or simply the Enlightenment. 
And tonight's program, we're going to look how we can become more reasonable, if reason a big factor, and spiritually enlightened. We hope what will come away with something that we can truly say with vigor and gusto and sincerity. That's enlightening. enlightening. Oh, enlightening. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Was, I get yeah, so confused. Yeah, yeah. I have every reason to be confused you today, do. but that's beside the point. We'll talk about that later. But I looked at the word enlightening, and I realized we cast the light upon the word, the deed, and the intention, and we are inspired. We see the truth that elevates our consciousness. We see what we need to see to move forward one step in front of the other. Without the light, we may falter, stumble, trip, lose our sense of direction. The light is sacred to our sight. Without it, there's only darkness. Light. That was by 
bliss. So this is an invitation to come on out, come into the light, be the light, light the candles, turn your lights on, lighten up, enlighten up. Light is as light does. Or something. Light is light. Like that. It's not very <laughs> That's enlightening. enlightening. <laughs> That's not too enlightening, but I want to give a special plug for the light in the universe. What's the first thing that you see when you open your eyes in the morning? You see light, light bouncing off of objects in relationship to the shadows. And we ask the question sometimes, well, why is there so much darkness in the world? Or some would call it evil. It certainly is confusion and disorientation at the very least. It seems to me that the light is set off by the shadows. Think of the beautiful shadows at the end of the day as the tree's shadow gets longer and longer and longer. I think we have equated darkness with not good and light with good. That's our judgment call on it. The darkness can be very beautiful, not necessarily bad. The other night I was trying to get something and it was dark. There was no light on. Errol was sleeping. You were sleeping. I didn't want to wake you up by turning on light, a lot of light. But I couldn't find the little flashlight, little LED flashlights yeah, yeah, that I know. create such a yeah, wonderful I light. I know, because I had put it somewhere else. That's right. <laughs> so I tried to see in the darkness. We had enough lights, little lights that come from our gadgets. clocks yeah. and gadgets and whatever. After a while... My eyes became accustomed to the dark, and they began to see things, and then I was able to find what I was looking for, and I thought how interesting that I was able to see in that darkness. Therefore, it wasn't an impediment. It became an impediment when I wouldn't be able to see anything. There was enough light for me to find what I was looking for and to find my way to where I was going. That is so enlightening, my dear, you <laughs> speak of it in that way. This is Professor Umbridge. It seems to me that as you stood there and you, and you maintained your intention and your focus to find this flashlight that Errol, in his own inimitable way, managed to misplace or forgot to replace. But Errol will talk to you about that later because uh, that's not the first time we've had a complaint to that effect from your <laughs> spouse. Think complaint department. <laughs> she is the major complaint department in this house. But as you know, and as we all know, those who love and find you so endearing, is that you deserve every complaint that comes your way. <laughs> That's enlightening. <laughs> Thanks, Professor. I'm just kidding, my boy. You don't deserve every one of them. There are a few that you're actually innocent of. Okay, all right, I think we've... But wait, wait, what is the point? I knew you were making a point. The point was is that <laughs> as you stood there and you held your intention and all of a sudden the dark was dissipated by even a tiny bit of light, you were able to see. You were able to not only find the flashlight, you were able to use it to bang Errol on the head and no, wake no, him no, up no. anyway. <laughs> I did not do that. I never did find the flashlight, but I found my way. You found your way. Yes, I did. I found my way. That was the thing that was so beautiful. That's the thing that was enlightening for me is that in the tiny bit of light that existed, just the tiniest little bit of light, I was able to find my way. And I, I think that's a metaphor for my spiritual journey. 
That is so good. Find your way. And think about when you have find your way, in other words, there you are, thrust into this universe. You don't know anything. You're just a little blob of pooping, peeing, noisy cuteness. That's it. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) And it's because of those factors, actually, that you survive. Peeing, pooping, eating, noisy cuteness. The cuteness is is what does it, really. If I may jump in here for just a minute here, Barney, you're talking about cute, you're talking about the light here and turning the light out of the dark. It's very difficult sometimes to find a light in the dark, but each of us I'm finding out here has the capacity to actually emit light, like these light flies. What do they call them? Uh, Fireflies. Yeah, they're fireflies. I mean, think of that. There's this light coming out of this organic being there. There's no plugs. You know, they looked, they put it under a microscope. They could not find one single plug. They did find a cord, but they didn't know what it was connected to or where the plug was. And no batteries. And no battery. It just, like, goes on. Even though they try to put a like a little ear battery in some of these things, it's a small <laughs> battery, but Barney. they didn't need it. What can I tell you? Barney is so silly. No, it's not <laughs> as silly as, as it may seem on the surface, but when you dig just a little bit deeper, what you will find is a fundamental distortion in the darkness, so it casts a shadow on its very self, and then it takes itself away into the darkness of non-existence, and it's never heard from again. But you don't have to go that way. You can go the other way. That's enlightening. You can go to the light. Oh, Barney. Barney? That was I have to tell you a wonderful story about our granddaughter when I pointed out her shadow when she was walking with me on the street. And the sun was behind us, of course, in order for that shadow to come in front of her. She looked at it. I said, that's your shadow. And she wouldn't know what a shadow was, but she saw this thing that obviously she moved her arms and it moved its arms. (laughs) She was fascinated. And we did funny things like we put our arms up and we put them out. And so we made interesting shapes with our shadow. I don't know if she'd understand the concept of shadow in terms of light and everything, but it was immaterial to her experience, which was joyful. So here is the shadow. We talk about the shadow of our being, you know, and everything, which is not joyful. And in this instant, the shadow was extremely joyful. We have the option, evidently, of climbing out of that dark space of confusion and doubt, Darkness is heavily filled with doubt. It's part of the recipe. So we go into fear as a result of that doubt. Yeah, this is Professor Schnitzel. The fear is what comes in when the doubting is raised to a level of exponential times 16. It's exponentially 16, (laughs) at least that much there. The doubt starts turning and it drops the D and the O and the U and the B and the T. It replaces them with the F and the E and A and R, so that it escalates into the fear. The fear is there to make sure that whatever it is that's needing protection is getting the protection that's going to keep it what it thinks is safe. But it's not going to stay safe because it's getting dark very fast and the light is in the other direction. That's enlightening, yeah. I think that's either enlightening or totally confusing. (laughs) Well... Let's work it out. Let's see what he said. He said, the darkness, it's going down that little road there like the darkness, but it's the light, and the whole point is to come out of the dark. 
Why be afraid if I'm not alone? Life is never easy, the rest is unknown. And up to now, for me, it's been hands against stone. Spend each and every Afraid if I'm not alone. Though life is never easy, the rest is unknown. Up to now, for me, it's been hands against stone. Each spent each and every moment searching for what to believe. Coming out of the dark, I finally see the light now. It's shining on me. Coming out of the dark, I know the love that saved me. You're sharing with me. Wow. Starting again is part of the plan, and I'll be so much stronger holding your hand. Step by step, I'll make it through. I know I can. It may not be easy. It may not. If it's easier, if I felt you nearly all the way, it may not make it easier, but I have felt you near all the way. And that was Gloria Estefan. Really? Coming out of the dark. I like that. Us, you and I and our family, where the traditions of Judaism, the teachings of Jesus are celebrated with the love that is universal. 
Hanukkah is about miracles. I always felt that way. Mm -hmm. And we acknowledge the possibility of miracles in every facet of our lives. I love that. I love the fact that we introduced the possibility of miracles where you think, oh, this can't possibly happen, and I'm so bereft, and blah, blah, blah. And then it changes. Something changes, and you're not bereft. (laughs) Or you, you get what you need to move to the next step, which is a certain kind of light, you know, maybe light in terms of a guiding hand, maybe the light in terms of your own internal understanding, whatever, but it just shows up. I love that. I love the fact that we can celebrate the possibility of miracles. It's the universe surprising you with a little bit of grace. Hmm. The universe surprising you with a little bit of grace. I like that. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. That's enlightening. There's this cause and effect, and there are these rules that exist in the finite, and you have to play by those rules if you want to navigate through life and make stuff happen in the physical. But then there's other dimensions, just as there's the law of gravity, which affects us at a certain slow level of movement. But then when you get up to the speed of life, all of a sudden, things change. Time isn't even the same. Time actually condenses and expands, and your whole universe that you thought was predictable gets miraculously transformed. And so if you doubt the possibility of miracles, just look at that miracle, that as we move and get toward the speed of light... Everything changes, and it can even go in reverse, I'm told. But you have to have that on your little mortal locomotive device, the reverse thing. (laughs) Otherwise, it doesn't work. Oh, that's enlightening. (laughs) If I may jump in here, this just for a minute here. This is Father O'Malley, and when you think about the Hanukkah here, I love the Hanukkah, and I love that you can have the same tree double as the Christmas tree and the Hanukkah bush. That, to me, is such an efficient way, an inexpensive way. So we have the couple of families living in our neighborhood, the uh, Shaughnessy's and the Goldbergs. And every year they trade. One uses it for a Hanukkah bush for a little while. That would be the Shaughnessy's. And the Goldbergs use the Christmas tree in their living room for other part of the holiday season. And then they get together and, and they discuss Hebrew acronyms that were long forgotten by other people. Really? Did you oh. make that up? There's no Hanukkah bush because the Hanukkah is celebrated by lights, eight lights. We light one for every single day that the oil lasted in this temple because the light was supposed to be lit all the time and they ran out of oil and they only had enough oil for one day and they sent out this runner to go get more oil until he got back eight days had transpired and the light stayed lit and that's the miracle that the lights so there was no bush and i know you made that up but it was very sweet of you to make that up but there was just these lights that's all there was no bush that is enlightening (laughs) But you know why it took him so long? Because he had to convince the people that were giving him the oil that he would not leave a carbon footprint. (laughs) No. That's not enlightening. That's silly. The oil, you see, it brings up the whole oil issue because basically oil is the engine of the energy of our world economy. At this point. It all revolves around oil, and oil is just used for so much including the polyester gloves that I decided not to get because they're polyester. They're not gloves, they're, they're slippers. 
Right. There were slippers, and they were actually not gloves. They were socks. I don't know what made me think they were gloves. I know why, because when they came <laughs> to me, the socks, I tried to put my hand in them. And so for a moment, I got confused that they were... Uh, if I could just interrupt you, Errol, I know you are Please, headed. please interrupt him, <laughs> Senator. This is uh, Senator Beauregard. I know you are headed down a very important piece of knowledge that would no doubt have enlightened us. But if I could just suggest here yeah, that the uh, moment of enlightenment can occur any time when you leave your expectations behind as you face the very next moment you're in. That's enlightening. You got these expectations that often get in the way, the way the things are supposed to work or the way the things worked in the past. You think it's going to be that way, but as I understand, the whole activity of uh, letting go and forgiveness is to be open to the possibility that in this moment, how did you put it, grace could enter into this moment and reveal something that may appear to be miraculous, but from a larger context of spiritual awareness, you see that it's just normal for the universe to want to show up in those very surprising ways to help us along our way. In my opinion, that's enlightening. I'll concur. That was enlightening. I'm trying to process that. Well, don't take too long. Okay, okay. <laughs> but it is Hanukkah, and I would feel like we were doing a disservice to the holiday if we didn't hear from Adam Sandler. In the Hanukkah song. Okay. This, uh, this is a song that, uh, there's a lot of Christmas songs out there, and uh, not too many Hanukkah songs, so I uh, wrote, a, wrote a song for all those nice little Jewish kids who don't get to hear any Hanukkah songs. Here we go. Festival of Lights. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. <laughs> when you feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's a list of people who are Jewish, just like you and me. David Lee Roth lights the menorah. So do James Conkirk Douglas and the late Dinah Shora. Guess who eats together at the Carnegie Deli? Bowser from Shanana and Arthur Fonzarelli. <laughs> Paul Newman's half Jewish. Goldie Hawn's half too. Put them together. What a fine-looking Jew. You don't need deck the halls or jingle bell rock. Cause you can spin a dreidel with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. Both Jewish. Put on your yarmulke. It's time for Hanukkah. The owner of the Seattle Supersonicas. Celebrate Hanukkah. 
Simpson, not a Jew. <laughs> but guess who is? Hall of Famer Rod Carew. He converted. We got Ann Landers and her sister, dear Abby. Harrison Ford's a quarter Jewish, not too shabby. <laughs> Some people think that Ebenezer Scrooge is. Well, he's not, but guess who is? All three Stooges. <laughs> Is. Tell your friend Veronica, it's time to celebrate Hanukkah. I hope I get a harmonica on this lovely, lovely Hanukkah. So drink your gin and tonica and smoke your marijuana. If you really, really, really want to go, have a happy, 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 happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you, Adam Sandler. That was so funny. <laughs> you told me your dad used to do that. When people would come uh, in the public eye and would say, oh, he's Jewish. <laughs> when you're a minority, you take great pride in anybody from that minority becoming famous. You relate to it. I read a passage about the future princess of Britain who's marrying Prince Harry, who is half black. And all these black women were going, we see... Not Prince Harry. Prince Harry's not half black. No, the woman he's marrying. God. <laughs> so she sure. will become a princess. This black lady was talking about, see, a black woman can become a princess. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's always wonderful to have representatives of minority people who stand up as beacons of light for us to have shone upon us. Shined upon us? Which would you say? I would say this. This is Rabbi Greenberg, and it seems like a very special night. While Hanukkah isn't one of our main holidays, it is definitely one of the most fun holidays. And so that makes up for not being the main holiday. <laughs> and it's not Black Friday either. People think that that's the main holiday. It's not. It's the Sabbath and Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah. They are like other holidays that are very important to Jewish people. But I would like to say about what's enlightening is when you stop and you open your eyes and you look at any given moment as if you never saw it before. It's not that hard, really. You just stop. Sometimes it's good to shake your head and close your eyes and open them and determine to see something you've never seen before in that point of view. You'll see it and you'll see, oh my God, well, this was going on all the time and I didn't know it, but now I know it and so I've identified it, I've seen it. That's enlightening. Yes, it, that's enlightening. Thank you, Rabbi. That's just so simple. It's a good reminder. Our training as actors was valuable in being in the moment. And the light is always there in the moment. As the moment is filled with light, that's the whole idea of the moment. It's never been there before. It's never going to be there again. <laughs> it is enlightened by its very nature. Living in it or not grieving over what was or being anxious about what will come and just being right there. When I was in the, I guess, the pre-op room or whatever you want to call it at the hospital, prepared for this surgery to replace 
my worn out hip with a brand new hip, though it's titanium and not really bone. This was, was very, yesterday. Yeah, this it's was important. yesterday. This and yesterday was, morning around nine thirty, ten o'clock. I found myself very present because the woman, the nurse who was taking care of me or administering to me all the things necessary for the operation, made it very easy to be present because I engaged with her. It was a full engagement, and that's how you be present. It's so simple. You just engage with what is there in front of you, and if it's a person, it's even more wonderful because the interaction between you and another human being is fluid and always alive. And she turned her head away when I stuffed a last little oh, piece oh. of chocolate cake into Rochelle's mouth before the operation, because I figured they don't know about you it. You didn't do that. <laughs> you know, he pe- makes up stories. People you know? are going to think that I make up stories. You the do. Way you you say make that. up stories. You do. And if you're with Errol, I always tell him to wink or do something to let people know that he's about to create something new that is, really isn't true. <laughs> I'm going to try winking on the radio here and see <laughs> if you can pick it up. It's very subtle because you have to hear it. I just winked three times. Couldn't see it, but you can imagine me winking. Now there's straight on winking, which is, looks like you're kind of closing open your eyes. Or there's one eye winking out of the side with a twinkle. Twinkle winking. I, twinkle winking. <laughs> <laughs> we like to recommend during the Christmas holidays that you do some twinkle winkling. <laughs> twinkle, twinkle, twinkle winking. Twinkle winking. Of course, you got to be careful you know, with all the sexual harassment. But I think you might be able to get away with a twinkle wink. You could try it, and if they slug you or if they take you to court, if you're going to lose your office or your job, you'll know not to do that next time. <laughs> That's, kind that's of an, not enlightening, but it, that's okay. It could it's be enlightening. Eroling. <laughs> it's eroling. There's caroling and eroling. <laughs> Speaking of caroling on this show, we may play a carol or two next week, but I want to remind you that this is Insight Out, the Naked Truth, and our sponsor is Go Raw. And because of Hanukkah as the holiday of the miracle of lights, we've picked That's Enlightening as our featured phrase. And so what we're doing is we're kind of probing into what does it mean to be enlightened? How do we become enlightened? What effect does being enlightened have on our life, our circumstances, other people, and the world? One thing, being enlightened, gives us the ability to see more clearly that which is in front of us. It does. I just had this thought. I started doing it last week prior to going into the operation that never happened. <laughs> it will happen next week, supposedly. Doing something really nice for anybody at any moment, like letting somebody go in front of you online because they have less things than you do, opening a door for somebody who wouldn't expect it, um, whatever. You know, just something that comes up that you that would be nice to do for somebody. It's really lovely to see someone's face when you do it, and they're not expecting it, and they don't really have a great need Somebody did something nice for them, to them. I get such pleasure out of it that I feel like it's almost selfish. It's even more. So going the second mile, when someone behind you, you've got like three items, and the person behind you has got a cartload, and you say, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) You've got more items than me. You need to get started. Oh, wow. I never thought of that. That That's really neat. That would get their attention, wouldn't it? That would. I'm always annoyed with the person who, the so-called express lane. Now the express lanes have 15 items. They used to have 10. So 
So there's somebody who counts out something like 12 and then puts in six more and they have 18, but they feel like nobody will notice because it's 18, it's not 15. Yeah, but Tina at Smart and Final, <laughs> she notices it. She is so on it. Ten items, you there, you at the, you know, 83 items, go next aisle. She's very on it. <laughs> oh, I love it because I like to go to the supermarket lots of times. I don't do big shoppings because I shop a lot. So I have like maybe four or five items that I need right away. I had a great <laughs> experience in the line. I was at the dollar store the other day. Sometimes I'll strike up a conversation with the people who are next to me, and I chose to do that this day. And I raised my voice, which is an odd thing, because they're all in line. Nobody pays any attention to anybody else. But I try to get people's attention, and I say, look at this line. Is this a great line? I mean, look at the kind of people that are in this line. We are so great. And they're all you looking. Did? Yeah. And then these two kind of middle-aged ladies in front of me, they got into it. Uh-huh. And I said, like these two gals. We started going on, and we were having this moment while we were waiting. <laughs> and then another line opened up. And they scooted over there, and I said, don't abandon me. I feel the abandonment issues are coming up. And we were just going on creating this scene. And there were people in another line over there. And I said, eat your heart out. You're jealous. You wish you could be in this line. I know it's longer, but you'd be better off for it. <laughs> it was a moment. A moment. It sounds like a total show. <laughs> That's what I mean. If you're... Not self-conscious, and you have the energy and the playful spirit. I think you have to have a developed playful spirit. Thank God we can get that. Not everybody comes by it naturally. Some people are very... Shy. You know, they don't have a lot of playful spirit energy in them. Most of the playful rose. spirits are usually actors, right. <laughs> performers. <Or> little kids. <laughs> I right. think that's what Yeshua meant when he said you have to become a, a child again to get into this context that he called the kingdom of heaven because one of the characteristics of this particular context is that it's extremely playful and unpredictable so you gotta be on your toes Mm -hmm. and be ready to move in any direction at any time because it could all be different you know what was funny about waiting you know have been prepped for this operation and then half hour before the actual surgery was to begin, we're told it's not going to happen because this $200,000 table that they're going to do this operation on because it's a particular operation, it needs a particular table, broke. So you roll with the punches and being present, even shining the light upon your own consciousness, you have to be present to the moment. The first experience we had was shock. And the second experience I had was the projection into the future of everything that happened prior to this, which meant a lot of prep work that took place to get ready for this day of surgery. And the thought that I would have to go through it all over again seemed ridiculous. And then there was something in me that realized, well, it was a rehearsal. So now the next time I do it, I'll do it better. (laughs) I was there at the rehearsals and, you know, she wasn't totally uh, convincing in the part. Especially when they asked her to breathe through this weird device, and Rochelle did her best to breathe through it. I wondered what her lungs were busy doing, something else. And my favorite line, I have to tell my favorite line. Oh, okay. I said, Errol, that the surgery was supposed to take about two hours and 15 minutes, and he said, oh, what are you going to be doing? (laughs) But here's the thing. 
Rochelle told me afterwards, she says, I had an intuition or a, a premonition that you weren't going to have the operation. And what did you go through? So well, it was very strange. When they told me the date of the operation, the first one that was supposed to happen yesterday, I was preparing for it. I couldn't see that it was going to happen. I thought, well, maybe I was going to catch a cold and therefore it would have to be postponed. Or they said, if you have rashes or something, body cut yourself or something, it may not happen. So I kept thinking that those things were going to deter me from having the operation. But they didn't happen. I didn't have a cold. I didn't get rashes. I didn't cut myself. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'm not knowing anything. And then it was postponed. And I thought, how strange. Nowhere in my consciousness could I have used the awareness that a table was going to break. (laughs) And that's why I wouldn't go do this. And I still don't know, and and you have no way of knowing why it was to my benefit not to have it on that particular day and to have it on the 18th rather than the 11th. Or it was just randomness being its own nature, except even though you may think that the universe is just random, like an atheist, you know, and it just happens to come together and form uh, life and movement and activity and consciousness and surprise and laughter and miracles. I don't know. It seems to me it's persuasive that there is some kind of light and order and guidance and movement toward ever more brilliance. Whatever else light is, brilliance. Brilliance of thought, brilliance of being, brilliance of will, genius of those things. And so that's why, for me, The light is within us. Just don't be afraid of the light within you. Let it come out. Shadows with so much to give away. 
dreams in waiting to see the light of day. We step up to the well at the dawn of springtime. Don't be afraid of the light that shines within you. That was Luca Bloom. Thank you, Luca. And tonight we're going to be lighting the first night of Hanukkah. We'll light a candle as a symbolic gesture mm-hmm. and every night. And Rochelle has several menorahs. Menorahs are what you put the lights in. They have electronic menorahs now. Did you know that? You I plug do. Plug them in. I do. <laughs> and you don't have to run the risk of you know burning down your... Christmas tree or your Hanukkah bush? <laughs> well, we always had a Christmas tree. We always had a menorah at Christmas time, and the boys, our sons, would get eight days of presents, little tiny funny things, until uh, there was cash in the last. I made a Hanukkah bag. I made little bags with string, string bags, and I put the gifts in the bag. And then Christmas morning, they had more gifts. They were very lucky kids to have two traditions to celebrate. You are a very lucky family. If I may just jump in here, this is Barney again. It's very good when you see, like, I live in a neighborhood where there's mostly Catholics, you know, Italians, and Irish Catholics here, and, and it's, it's good to see, and the Jews, that's the other group there that's there, there. It's mostly Jews, you know. We didn't even know there was such a thing as a Protestant until <laughs> late, much later in life. We heard about them, and we heard that they were not appreciated by the powers that be at the time they emerged. And you know what they were doing? They were protesting. That's yeah, that's why they call them the Protestants. I found that out there, and I was so happy. It was enlightening to realize that oh, about. Yeah. It. But that's New York City. You know, New York City's little conclaves of of groups, ethnic groups, and uh, that's what makes New York fun go from one little ethnic group to another little ethnic group. And if you can live in one group, that ethnic group, all your life and never know anybody outside of it. Before we get away from you tonight, I want to just cover the whole notion of what it is to let the light within you come out. It has to do with coming into union with yourself. When there's union, when there's fusion, in fact, right, Professor? Yeah, the fusion is what liberates the light here. There are things that are being separate from each other, and they overcome that impulse to stay separate. And it's very amazing that the universe put that separate energy pushing things off from each other, and at the same time it's trying to pull everything together back into a unit. And when that coming back together comes, then the light is freed up. It goes out and it starts other things and it becomes stars and also and then it builds elements, it builds them inside the big stars and they burst over and before you know it you've got gold, iron and plastic is one of the <laughs> elements, I think. Was it plastic? Except yeah. for that plastic, it was very enlightening. No, it was aluminum. Yeah, that was the element. It was al- aluminum. Yeah. Thank you, Professor. 
it's good to be reminded that we are made up of elements, isn't it? That we're fundamentally elemental, Watson. Yeah. <laughs> Elementary, my dear. Elementary. I have to tell you a little anecdote. I remember feeling this, not urging, when you're propelled, you're pushed, you're... That's good, propelled and pushed. Yes, to let your light so shine forth. I found myself holding back, and then I heard my inner voice say, Be not afraid, my child. Let your light shine forth. For when they see your light, they will not see you. They will see me. It was very liberating to realize that it wasn't me, the ego me, that was going to be in the light, but the higher me, the me that is one with the Christ, me that is one with the mystery, me that is one with the God, that will be seen. It was liberating in the sense that we are afraid to let our light shine forth because then people look at us, people see us, and we don't like who we are. We're afraid of being seen. Some level we're shy unless you're just out there. But most people, I think, are reluctant to just be bold with who they are. Yet it's the very being bold that the world needs now, especially from light people. So we want to encourage you, whatever else you do, to lean into the light, because that's what's going to make it possible. Winter is the oldest season Quietly beneath the snow Seeds are stretching out and reaching Faithful as the morning glow Carry nothing but what you must Let it go, shake up the Today is now, tomorrow beckons. Keep practicing resurrection. Shadows of this world will say, There's no hope, why try anyway? Every kindness, large or slight, shifts the balance toward the light. Rivers bend and open wide. Don't just walk where you can fly. When justice seems in short supply. Shifts the balance toward the light 
That was Carrie Newcomer et al. reminding us to lean in toward the light. As she says, the shadows of this world will say there's no hope. Why try anyway? I think there's a lot of that going on. But every kindness, large or slight, every kindness, large or slight, helps us shift the balance toward the light. Oh, I love that. You said something tonight that I found myself enlightened by. Really? Yes, you said light people. The light people. Let their lights so shine forth. Step up, be bold. The light people. Who are the light people? I want to think that the light people are people who see the light, who see union where there is separation, who see goodness where there is, I wouldn't say evil so much as distortion. See clarity where there's distortion. Praise human beings where there is dissension. Light people. If you're a light person, if you do those things, think of yourself as a light person and let your light so shine forth. Yes, a hallelujah to that one. At the very least, you can go on it. Diet. <laughs> no, a diet of heavy thoughts. Don't let yourself have any heavy thoughts. Self-judging thoughts, judging others, blaming thoughts. Don't eat any of that stuff because it'll just make your darkness get fatter and fatter. And, oof, dark fatness is not good. You know, you want your fatness, you know, it's okay, Neville, but you want it not to be dark. You want it to be light. If you think of yourself as a light person, be bold. Don't hide your light under a bushel. It's the joining up that releases more of the light. We need to come out of our self-consciousness and expose ourselves. And that's why we live here at Lupin, and people come to Lupin so they can be naked. For many, it's the first step toward being free and letting their light out. Let's face it, if you can't let your body be seen because you judge it, how can you let the light pass through all that resistance and all those barriers? That's enlightening. All right. This is Inside Out, The Naked Truth. You can go to our our website, thelaughingheart.org, and my email, estrider at gmail.com. The reason you're going to his email which is estrider at juno.com. It's not Juno. Oh. That's yours. Gmail.com hey. is because I don't look in my email very often. <laughs> and we love being here, and we hope you have a wonderful holiday and Hanukkah season. That having been said, what do we need to remember, Rochelle? We need to remember that resistance is what you add to pain to make it last longer and hurt more. That's enlightening. Thank you.